This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. The question is, are you is the drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Right off the bat, some truly remarkable news today. A week removed from being transferred to a COVID ICU unit in Raleigh, my dad has been completely released from Wake Med Hospital right before we came on air. He FaceTimed me, walking out of the hospital with the Baltimore Orioles mask on. If you missed it last week, he went viral with the video he sent me after John Means threw a no-hitter. John's wife, Caroline, just messaged me saying, her and John are so pumped up and excited for you guys. That no-no and the reaction to my dad's video was a very special father-son moment for us, and it had me thinking of this topic today that I wanted to let you guys in on. Father-son moments that were special for reasons that transcended the actual game itself. I'd love to hear your stories on this on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad, or you can call Robert, 336-777-1600, and we'll get you in on the show. I felt it was a perfect opportunity for that, Robert Walsh being the producer of this show, father-son stories that transcend the games that we know and watch. In the NBA... It's taken some time for me to arrive at this point, but I think I'm there now. I'm out on the Los Angeles Lakers as the favorite to win the NBA title this year. It really started to hit me over the weekend when I saw just how many games Anthony Davis and LeBron have missed. I've had very serious doubts about this the last couple of days. Serious doubts that they are going to repeat as champions. And I think Las Vegas is agreeing with me on this. Las Vegas, they've released their odds to win a title. All season long, the Lakers have been the favorite. The Brooklyn Nets are now the favorite. We've seen LeBron play exactly twice in nearly two months. Two games in nearly two months. There's a chance that the ankle he's dealing with is a lot worse than we we thought it was when... He got banged up a few weeks back. There's a really good chance of that. Anthony Davis said, LeBron's going to be fine. He's going to be back later this week. Something's going on here, and I think it's a big problem for the Lakers considering how much older LeBron is than many of the guys on this roster. I know we have this view of LeBron that he's just going to continue playing the way he has forever, and it's never going to change. But when you look at the times he has been on the floor this year, I think he's played in 43 games this season. When he has played, he hasn't met his normal standard. By a few percentage points, LeBron has his lowest points-per-game average since his rookie season. When you look at assists, last year he led the NBA in assists. It was a remarkable feat. He's under eight assists per game for the first time in five years. And we just expect LeBron to come back and save everybody and save this team 
when the bracket isn't going to be favoring them. They have the seventh best record in the Western Conference. The playoff draw's not ideal for them. You've got the play-in tournament being introduced this year. Your opponent, in all likelihood, is going to be Steph Curry and the Warriors. Now, the Lakers, if they have LeBron and AD in the lineup, should win that game. But since it is just one game, that's not the team I want to be facing. Steph Curry, in a one-game sample, can beat any team in any time in any setting. I wouldn't rule that out. If they do beat Golden State, then they have the Phoenix Suns in a 7-2. And I don't think that's a good matchup for the Lakers. Strangely enough, I think the Lakers would rather play in the first round the Utah Jazz than face the Suns just because, kind of like with LeBron, the Jazz are trying to figure out when Donovan Mitchell's going to return. He's missed. I think between 13, 14 games in a row, we don't know when he's going to be back for Utah. That's a pretty significant issue there. Strangely enough, I'd rather, if I'm Phoenix, I want the Lakers in the first round, not in the conference finals. I don't want LeBron and AD after they've won eight games and got past two series and they're starting to figure out their flow and they're not as rusty. I I don't want that. I'd much rather have them. Well, we haven't played many games together. LeBron's only played twice in the last uh, two months. Anthony Davis is just trying to figure out his footing, too. The chemistry's off. There's a little bit of rust there. And also, you got an aging team facing a team that's a lot younger, sans Chris Paul. Chris Paul, such an integral part of what they do. I don't want to diminish that. But beyond that, this is an incredibly young team. It's Booker. It's Aiton. It's Cameron Johnson. It's a really young group, and I like the way they're put together. So I don't know if the Lakers would get past the Phoenix Suns in a first-round matchup. I'm having serious doubts about the Lakers repeating as champs. You can't write them off completely. I don't think anybody really is. But I can name three teams right now that I like more than the Lakers. I like their chances more to win the title. Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and Phoenix. Yes, the Phoenix Suns are in that mix. There are a ton of teams I think can win. Robert, you let me know if there's anybody else you'd add to this. I think there are three teams in the West, three in the East I could see holding up the trophy. That I could see winning the Larry O'Brien. In the West, it's the Lakers. It's the Clippers. It's the Phoenix Suns. In the East, it's the Brooklyn Nets, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks. Most years, you're looking at three to four teams. Even at the beginning of the year, you can identify and say, yep, that is a NBA contender. That's an NBA Finals contender right there. There's no doubt about it. This year, it's almost doubled that number. I just listed off six teams I think can win the title. Is there anybody else you'd add to that list? In the East, Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee. In the West, Phoenix, the Lakers, and the Clippers. I'd still probably put the Jazz in there. I know that that's going pretty chalky, but, I mean, they've had a great season. I know they lost to the Warriors last night, but I'd still just have to include them in there for the benefit's sake. I'll add Utah in there because I I agree with you. If they get past the first round, which they will, even if it is Golden State, they will get past it. It's with Donovan Mitchell back in the lineup. 
but the Mitchell stuff does concern me. So I think with the draw that the number one seed can get, I'll agree with you on that. Anybody else, though? The Milwaukee Bucks. I, I, am I right to rule Denver out without, without Jamal Murray? I, I feel as soon as they lost Murray, there goes their chances of winning an NBA title. Anybody else? No, I agree with you. Their cohesiveness is definitely down, and you can tell that as the way they've played. But And I don't like the Bucks at all. The Bucks just look – before, I would defend Chris Middleton – but he's not. I, I. I don't know. I'm not. I'm out on the Bucks. I'm not such a big fan of them coming out of the East. I'll tell you something else. I wasn't a big fan of last night. The Carolina Hurricanes got smoked by the Nashville Predators. But we told you going in, a ton of guys were going to be sitting out. This game didn't really mean anything. Carolina didn't really want to chase the President's Trophy. The regular season's finished. They won the Central Division. They have the second most points in the National Hockey League. Now the big question is, who's going to be starting in the pipes, in between the pipes for the Carolina Hurricanes when the playoff begins? Three choices. It's Peter Morozik, who was the starter last year, James Reimer, who you brought in during the offseason, and the young Alex Nedeljkovic. For me, I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's Alex Nedeljkovic, and I'll tell you why. The stats... They tell the story here. His stats, Ned's stats, they are better than Peter's and Reimer's. You're looking at a better goals against, a higher save percentage. You look at the shutouts. Ned has three. Reimer doesn't have any. So I don't think Reimer's really in this discussion. I think it's really down to Peter, who played last night, and Nedeljkovic. And the difference between those two, Ned has played in twice as many games as Morozik has. Morozik has played in 12. Nedeljkovic has played in 23. Ned has 15 wins. Peter has six, who was dealing with that broken hand, I believe it was. That forced him out for a ton of games this season. Peter, he didn't get a lot of help last night, but he did get run five to nothing. He needs more reps. Ned's the guy. I understand some of the skepticism here. Hey, Morozik, he's been there the last two years. Nedeljkovic, he's 25 years old. I don't think Ned's youth is going to deter Rod Brindamore. I don't think it concerns Rod at all. Remember, when Rod received the trophy from Gary Bettman in 2006, when the Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup, the playoff MVP award, the Conn Smite Trophy, was given to a mid-20s goaltender who was a rookie by the name of Cam Ward. Nedeljkovic, he's young, but he has the resume. Rod saw it happen. He had a front-row seat to see it happen for Carolina 15 years ago. I think Ned is going to get the nod when the Canes face the Predators for a best-of-seven series to start the Stanley Cup playoffs. Ned not like he doesn't have any playoff experience. It's just not at the National Hockey League level. The lesser league, the minor leagues for the NHL, the Calder Cup playoffs, the American Hockey League, Ned was the goaltender when the Charlotte Checkers a few years ago won the Calder Cup. So he is clutch, and he's been big for Carolina this year. Alex Nedeljkovic, I think, is a no-brainer to start game one of the playoffs for the Carolina Hurricanes. But we'll talk with Mike Maniscalco about that when he joins us on today's show. 
We'll talk about the Charlotte Hornets. Continue on all things NBA with Rick Bennell at the bottom of the hour from the Charlotte Observer. We've got Hornets basketball tonight as Charlotte takes on the Denver Nuggets. Russell Westbrook, he broke Oscar Robertson's triple doubles record last night. Did so in Atlanta, even though Washington lost the game. So if the Hornets could do it over again, picking Gordon Hayward over Russ Westbrook this offseason, would they have done it any differently knowing what they know now? I'll give you my take next on The Drive. Josh Graham loves to talk sports. He also loves to accentuate his long lashes with mascara. You're a good-looking man. Thank you. Very pretty. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. Listen to Hornets basketball tonight right here on Sports Up Giant, the Denver Nuggets. We'll be at Spectrum Center tonight. Four games remaining in the regular season. Make sure to listen to Sam Farber's 7 o'clock tip at Spectrum Center. An injury update that we were given yesterday. Gordon Hayward still out with the foot sprain. Cody Martin, he's out as well. Devontae Graham with his knee discomfort. Questionable for tonight's game. Oh, Miles Bridges out as well due to NBA health and safety protocols. Let's start there, actually, Rick. Rick Bennell joining us from the Charlotte Observer. What are you hearing is the earliest we can expect to see Gordon Hayward back in the lineup? Josh, um, the best way I can answer that question, and this also applies to Miles Bridges and Cody Martin, is I don't know and I don't think anybody else knows. I mean, it's it really is. Uh, it's much easier to project that, it would be a surprise if Devontae didn't play by the end of the week. Everything else is very, very open-ended. Um, Gordon has a soft tissue injury. Foot, foot sprains, I went on the, the Mayo Clinic website and looked them up, and there's an amazingly wide spectrum of recovery times for those. Um, I think the, the best way I can describe that without talking all around it is I did an interview with Gordon last week, and he said to me, I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful, but I'm not making any promises. And that led me to believe, particularly after he wasn't able to participate all in practice yesterday, that no one should have an expectation of him playing the rest of the season. He's on Twitter at Rick underscore Bunnell. We haven't seen him since April the 2nd. Have the Hornets exceeded your expectations this year, Rick? Probably they have exceeded my expectations less than most people's. And what I mean by that is when I saw, when the NBA rolled out what the format for this play-in tournament was going to be, I didn't see any reason why they could not be in contention for that. So in that regard, the fact that they're going to finish somewhere between 7th and 10th in the East, that didn't particularly surprise me. I think, honestly, Josh, you know, the fact that Borrego's teams have consistently had a better record than Vegas projects for them, I think that's two things. One, I think it's just, I think there's just an incredible amount of sort of pent up looking at the glass half emptiness towards this, this organization. And two, one thing we know for certain. James Borrego is pretty good with whatever you give him making the best of it. 
read Rick on uh, at charlotteobserver.com in the pages of The Observer. Rick Bennell joining us from the Charlotte Observer on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Due to injuries across the league, Rick, LeBron, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, just a few today, Gordon Hayward, of course, as we just talked about. I anticipate. Brown, most oh, yeah. That's, a big one. That's another one, too. I really anticipate the playoffs being particularly entertaining. Who do you look at as the favorite right now in the NBA? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. Because the betting odds just changed. It was playoffs. Yes, because the betting odds literally just changed recently where the Lakers were the favorite. But, of course, not having seen LeBron play more than twice over the last close to two months, it's changed things a bit, and now the Brooklyn Nets are the betting favorites. You know, Josh, here's what's interesting about that. I, I, I would not be putting down money on the Nets. And the reason I wouldn't is because those people have not been the three the, the three main characters in that play hardly have ever been on the same court. Um, we don't know what they're going to be like, and I think there's a presumption that when you that the switch is going to be flicked and everything's going to be okay. And I think that I think the Sixers are kind of enjoying their circumstance where they're going to go in as the top seed in the East, and yet. There's there's really not any pressure at all whatsoever on the Sixers. I think they're going to be a really, really tough out. Um, I will tell you somebody who I don't think is a contender. Um, every time I watch the Milwaukee Bucks this season, I'm underwhelmed. That is an incredible collection of talent. I thought Drew Holiday was a terrific acquisition on their part, but there's something about that team this season that – the collection of their parts seem to be less than actual than the than the talent on that roster, and that surprised me because I think Bud's a pretty good coach. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, and it could be a really interesting first round matchup if the season ended today, and we're pretty close to the end of the season. It would be a rematch of what we saw in the bubble between Milwaukee and Miami, who of course went to the finals. Rick Bednell here with us. Usually, there are three or four teams you can identify pretty easily. Oh, yeah, that, those are the title contenders. You could maybe even pick them out at the beginning of the year. This season, though, I'd probably multiply that number by two, six, seven. You could would, argue would you maybe agree with me? Would you agree with me that people seem to be really quick to write off the Utah Jazz? It's crazy. It's crazy, and I think a lot of that just has to do with people haven't watched them. The same with Phoenix, too. I think if the Lakers match up with Phoenix in a 7-2 I'd, if I'm Phoenix, I'd much rather face the Lakers in the first round than face them potentially in a conference final setting. I'll tell you what, I think that's the same deal. A lot of people riding off Phoenix and a lot of people riding off Utah. You know, there is a scenario. I, I listened to Brian Winhurst talk about this on his podcast this morning when I was out on the Greenway, where the Jazz might not face the Clippers, Suns, or Lakers until a conference final. Wow. That's a pretty pleasant draw. <laughs> yeah, and, and if Donovan Mitchell, that's the biggest thing. If Mitchell comes back and he's healthy, I, I think they just have too much for Golden State, even though I know some probably in the media who haven't been watching all year will be very quick to say, oh, Golden State with Steph could give them problems. No, that's they just don't have enough. And then beyond that, what you're saying is very true, that the draw could be very good for Utah, and if they get through a couple of rounds and 
This is for a lot of teams. Cross your fingers, stay healthy. They very well could be one of those teams you're talking about. But do you agree that the field is a little bit wider than we normally see going into a playoff? Yeah, and and I'll tell you two things that I think will be really interesting. One, um, I, I think that nobody wants to see the Washington Wizards, particularly in a one-game play, you know, play-in situation, and that could be the thing that tr- the the bear trap for the Hornets. And the other thing is, um, there's there's something really intriguing and unknown about um, about the Denver Nuggets. I think that Murray Murray hurt them a whole lot, but that team in you know in a three or four game series, as opposed to you know their results over a month, I just think that they're they're that they're a team that could really screw this this draw up. And we'll see if they have anything for the Utah Jazz potentially in the second round. Something to keep an eye on. Rick's on Twitter at Rick underscore Bunnell. Read his stuff at the Charlotte Observer. He'll be out, of course, at Spectrum Center a little bit later on tonight as the Hornets take on the aforementioned Denver Nuggets. Thanks so much for the time, Rick. Sure thing. Bye-bye. You got it. Rick Bunnell joining us here on WSJS Sports. Transitioning things back to the Carolina Hurricanes. Canes fans. Some who probably didn't even know that a lot of guys were going to be sitting out last night. Were kind of surprised Carolina got waxed by Nashville 5 to nothing. I understand it if you're not really seeing the context and the details. You look at it, Nashville beat Carolina on Saturday and beat them badly last night. Goodness, is this a team you want to face? And a best-of-seven series, to me, last night meant absolutely nothing. And Rod Brindamore felt the same exact way. This is what he said after the game. Not, not much. We're going to flush it. Like, I, mean, I think we played 56 games. 55 games, we were in everyone. In you know, some of the last, we were right in every one of those. And then this is the one game that the whole year we weren't in. So it's kind of flushed for me. The Canes valued rest and health over the President's Trophy, something the Hurricanes have never won in their franchise's history. And I thought it was a good choice here. With the condensed schedule we've seen, trying to squeeze in 56 games from the middle of January through now, essentially in four months, it can take a toll on these hockey players that play such a grueling physical sport, especially as you get set for the playoffs. So what does Carolina do? Jacob Slavin probably could have gone. He got banged up on Saturday, but I expect he's going to be ready to go for Carolina. They also set Svetch. They sat, uh, who else did they sit last night? Jordan Stahl. They, it wasn't the full B team, but it essentially was a B team for Carolina. Just valuing some rest, and it was well-earned rest for clinching the division. It's also a deal where... How is this going to hurt you? Oh, you might not have home ice in the Stanley Cup, which is only relevant if you get past the first two rounds and the round after that. If The only way this is relevant and hurts Carolina, this decision, is if they go to the Stanley Cup and they're facing the Vegas Golden Knights and that series goes to seven games. That's the only way that last night's decision hurts what Carolina's built this entire season. 
But consider this. What Rod's saying there is absolutely true, that Carolina's pretty much been in every other game this year. The only time, the only other time before last night, that Carolina had trailed the game by three goals or more was February 24th against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they only trailed by three goals for 35 seconds. Tampa hit an empty netter with 35 seconds left to go and won that game by three goals. The rest of the season, Carolina has not trailed a hockey game by more than two. That is a remarkable deal. They earned taking last night off, and I felt it was a good decision for Carolina. I really do. Here's what I want to do. So that's a look at the NHL playoffs. Carolina closing the regular season, getting set for the Nashville Predators. We still haven't gotten the official times for when that's going to begin. I want to look at the NBA playoffs. Using the current standings, I'm going to make my playoff picks. We'll go through the whole bracket and tell you how the play-in's going to work all of it next on The Drive. And now, now, on with the show. Showtime. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. This is a segment I look forward to because you have no idea what direction it's going to go. And me and Robert, we don't really check each other's notes before we get this thing started. It's called Unusual Questions. It's really an opportunity for you guys to call in and ask something about sports or something outside of the world of sports. Things can get weird at times. 336-777-1600. Then we'll get back to normalcy in about 10 minutes. We call it Unusual Questions. Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Gray. 336-777-1600 if you want to play along. And since Robert will be taking your calls, I'll let Robert tee us up here. Uh, I, I And I might have broke the rules here because I did a little bit of research to answer my own questions. But uh, I was wondering what other races are popular for animals because, like, the horse race, I don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I, I don't know why. Maybe because I've, like, I've seen horses. I want something a little more exotic. Dogs, right? Well, I mean, dogs, I mean, that's kind of bland to me, too. I just want something a little different. So I looked up uh, the things that are actual animals that have races and then i have some animals that i would like to see race okay um, so in california they have a frog race in uh calvaris county every year and i don't know how they make sure these things go straight or whatnot but i thought frogs was cool also in south carolina they have a lobster race and i thought that was cool and pretty exotic and people go down there and i don't know if they bet on it or not like uh, you can with the kentucky derby but i thought lobster races was cool I think somebody needs to start uh, the one that I could not find anything locally or in the United States. There needs to be a pig race. Like, I remember the Dixie Classic Fair. They would come every year and they would have, like, Mia Ham and all the jokey pig names. <laughs> I want pig races. I think that would be cool, especially with their cute little curly tails. I need some pig races. Why not big cats? Why not... Like lions or tigers racing. I think it would be hard to make them instinctually chase something. Like, 
and especially like a large group of them. You would probably have to do them in heaps. And also, because most large cats are endangered, and I think that people would frown upon using them for sport. Alligators. That would be a slow race. Are they racing in water? That might be a little easier, but I also Alligators think- could be pretty quick. You gotta imagine there's some way to train them. Well, like, on the ground, I wouldn't imagine that they would be breaking any land speed records. But if they were in the water, I could, I could see it. But again, with these meat eaters and stuff like that, I think it's hard to entice them unless we had, like- the, the rabbit for the dog races, you'd have to hook that up some way that enticed the, the gators. Now that I'm preparing for a wedding, get ready. Many of the questions I ask in Unusual Questions will regard things that I'm sure many of you have already gone through. This is one that me and Sarah Bradford were talking about last night. It's namely a question that I asked because I didn't know of this tradition. Why does every woman need to be escorted into a wedding? I'm thinking about the ushers, and Sarah Bradford was kind. I have four, uh, not just the ushers, but my groomsmen. I've got four of them, and she was looking to add someone from her family to help out in the escorting. Not to be up there with me, but to help out with the escorting, and I had no idea. Granted, I'm not a woman, so I never really dealt with this, and I haven't noticed it. And I've been to some nice weddings, but apparently it's tradition that every woman be escorted to her seat. At a wedding. Why is that? No idea. Probably just another one of those things that that's the way we've always done it. I know like the whole dad taking the the, uh, the daughter down the thing is like him giving her away. Let me be but... clear. If it's somebody in the family, you're talking about parents, grandparents of the bride and groom. Yes, they should be escorted. But there's no reason why my friend here in Winston-Salem that I've been hanging out with the last couple of years should be escorted by somebody who is a groomsman in my wedding, right? The groomsmen have a lot of other things to tend to. Least of their concern should be somebody I haven't seen in a handful of years and is perfectly equipped to escort themselves. Probably doesn't deserve any preferential treatment here. 336. 777-1600 is the number. Garbage Mike, do you have something for me on escorts? Josh, I don't have anything for you on escorts, but just some more of advice. As a man who's done what you're about to do, don't ask her any questions about the wedding. (laughs) That is not not your job for the day, my friend. Or maybe don't ask questions on your radio show that the parents (laughs) also listen to. Her parents listen to this radio show. Yeah. All, the only question you need to ask the, uh, the future Mrs. Josh Graham is, what time do I need to be at the wedding? That's right. All right. Good advice, yeah, Garbage Mike. I appreciate also, that. Also, hey, what are we, we going to do for your bachelor party, Josh? That does qualify as an unusual question. I'll answer that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the call, Garbage Mike. Okay. I'm leaving it up to my brother in BDOT. BDOT is going to be a part of my groomsmen crew. That's a true story. That's not a joke on social media. So BDOT and my brother are going to come up with something. And I'm sure Robert is probably going to help BDOT in terms of, you know me well enough. You're the only tie that BDOT has to anybody that knows me really close. In fact, you can come if you want to, if you want to be at the bachelor party. But I have no idea. I'm leaving it up to BDOT and my brother. 
Uh, since uh, Sarah Bradford's parents listen to this, it would be a terrible time for them to just pop in here and then you're asking about escorts. Like, yeah, what's the deal? Uh, where can I get some escorts at for my wedding? That's not the for type the of escorts. Party. That's not what the we, escorts we we're talking here? about here. Nope. Nope. Robert, next unusual question. Uh, I was listening to Meatloaf uh, walking in to work today. And I've always dug the dude, but, like, why is he always singing about denying women? Or, like, at least when he gets with them, then he's, like, out like a bat out of hell. Like, literally, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Two out of three ain't bad. Uh, Anything like that. He's always getting rid of women. Like, maybe you should do that for love. I mean, if you looked at the dude, he's not the most attractive guy. (laughs) He kind of looks like the boulder that chases Indiana Jones out of the cave. And he's, he's shutting all these women down. I just don't understand. Is it like the, the Kevin James situation, like King of Queens, where like the, the, the fat main character is like attractive? Because however I get into that realm of possibility, that's where I would like to be. So Kevin James, Meatloaf, however you guys hook that up, let me know. It's a great question, and I think it's left being, it's best left being unanswered. I'll close out with this. Is there... Gas pumping decorum. Specifically, I'm talking about Robert. Last night, it was a very long line given the impending, maybe future gas shortage that we're going to be looking at. You know, there's this passing lane that you can get in front of somebody if you need to to get in the tank in front of them. Most people I found, Robert, are perfectly okay waiting for both cars at the tank to be finished and then the next two cars roll up together. Is that the proper decorum or are you somebody that sees if the front car is already finished, you'd be willing to pass the back car still pumping their gas and then backing into that uh, pumping station? Yeah, I would have no problem with that. Mostly because I'm trying to keep it moving, and I understand that that's going to help with efficiency. And if somebody else wants to honk or be mad about that, my favorite place to just completely ignore someone is a gas station parking lot. Yes, that's the other question that I had. Is there any acceptable time to start small talk with somebody at the no. gas station? No. it's I would put a gas pump up there with a urinal. Really? As far as do not talk to me. Yeah, because I'm not trying to get caught up, man. I have nothing. I'm Usually, I'm, try, I'm trying to make a mad dash to be as efficient as possible. Can I tell you what my move is? If somebody's wearing a sports team hat or gear, I'll usually just say, go whoever that team is. as just a friendly thing to say to somebody. Uh, see, that's... It's not even a conversation starter, but sometimes it is. All I say is, go whoever that is. It usually puts a smile on their face. I try to stay away from that. If I'm trying to put a smile on somebody's face, I'll just honk at an old person in their front yard. They love that. <laughs> they will always wave back at you. <laughs> and that's been unusual questions. <laughs> try it. Next time you see an old person in a front yard, you're somebody, probably driving right now. I guarantee you somebody's hearing this right honk now. Honk at them. There's they an love old per- it. They're on the right, right over there. You see it. Honk at that old person. They'll look back at you and they'll wave. And they will smile. And they won't mention it. It won't even come up in what's happening in their day, but they will. They love it. Unbelievable. It took a while, but I'm finally there with the Lakers. I don't think they're going to win the title. I'll tell you why next on The Drive. 
Josh Graham loves to talk sports. He also loves to daydream about sports, mostly about being the locker room towel boy. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. So the Hurricanes closed the regular season last night with a thud against the Nashville Predators, 5 to nothing. But if you're concerned about that, and the Hurricanes losing Saturday to Nashville as well, consider this stat here that comes to you courtesy from the head of PR from the Canes, Mike Sundheim, that before last night, Carolina has trailed by three goals in a game for 35 seconds the entire season, and that was against Tampa on February the 24th, an empty net goal late, and then the final 35 seconds of the game passed, and that's the only time Carolina trailed by three goals until last night, where Carolina, of course, benched many of their familiar names getting set for the postseason as Rod, as we talked with him last Friday about, clearly valued rest and health considering how condensed this regular season has been and how Carolina locked up things on Friday night in the Central Division. Mike Maniscalco now joins us, the voice of the Canes, how close were you, Mike, to being held out for undisclosed reasons? No, I'm I'm a gamer, Josh. I, I show up as long as I'm at the building. Let's keep going. So, <laughs> Do you have any idea? I see this tweet here from John Shannon, who covers the league, saying, we know the NHL regular season is going to end at around 4 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Eastern in Calgary next Wednesday, which means the North Division, series that are set to start in Edmonton and Toronto, can start as early as that night, next Wednesday, May the 19th. It will not start earlier than that. What do you know about possible time frame Carolina and Nashville? That series can begin. Nobody has told me a word. All I know is uh, evidently Boston and Washington are starting on Saturday. So uh, if you want to connect the dots, I would say throw a, a lawn dart and say sometime this weekend or early next week the Central Division playoffs will get underway. I heard, I've heard the arguments when it comes to who's going to start in net for Carolina whenever this series begins. Peter Morozik, his playoff experience, that's something that's valued. And then with Ned, the stats, I think, favor him a bit over Reimer and over Morozik as well. Morozik dealing with injuries much of this year. What I look at and why I think Ned has the edge is because I don't think Rod Brindamore is worried at all about him being in his mid-20s and not having NHL playoff experience considering the Calder Cup and also considering Carolina, you know, winning a Stanley Cup with the mid-20s kid who was a rookie by the name of Cam Ward in 2006. Do you think Ned is the favorite to start when this series begins? Uh, I honestly, uh, I I don't think it it matters who they start with because uh, you referenced 2006. The starting goaltender heading into the playoffs that year was the veteran Martin Gerber, mm-hmm. and then they turned to the rookie. And Cam Ward uh, went on to have that magnificent run through the postseason. He was named the Smythe Trophy winner. So Rod Brindamore can lean on that as he was the captain of the team that won that Stanley Cup. Uh, honestly, I don't think that there's a wrong choice because if you look at the numbers, Josh, and I know that you are a big numbers guy, uh, all James Reimer does is win. He's got 15 wins on the season, and in his career against Nashville, he's 7-1. and one. 
Peter Morozik has had, and I think you throw out last night's game for everybody, Absolutely. except maybe the confidence of a, a, except for maybe the confidence of a few of the Predators players. Um, you look at what Peter Morozik has done in his career against Nashville. It's been outstanding. He is, of course, proven in the postseason for the Canes. So you can go to the veteran and then turn to Alex Mandelkovich if you want. But uh, Alex Mandelkovich, I think if you go into game one at PNC Arena, whenever game one may be, uh, and he's your starting goaltender, uh, you don't have to be pot committed to anybody, but it's a great luxury to have because, quite honestly, I think the coaching staff and the team that's in front of the goalie is comfortable no matter who it is. So, I mean, if you ask me who would I go with, I think that I would give the slight edge to Alex Nedeljkovic to start the series just based on the season that he's had. But, of course, the playoffs are a different animal. Uh, and for Rod Brindamore, he's got a couple of different cards he can play. But I think game one, I wouldn't be shocked if it's Alex Nedeljkovic over Peter Morozik. But, you know, same time, if they decide to go with the veteran and, and have the the rookie ace up their sleeve, if that's how they want to play it, theres I don't think there's a wrong answer for the Canes how they're going to start the series in goal. The TV voice of the Canes, Mike Maniscalco, with us here on WSJS Sports. How do you think the Canes stack up with the Preds considering how red-hot Nashville's been down the stretch? Uh, you know, that's funny because this is going to be a, a coach answer for you, Josh. That only matters if it matters uh, because I've seen teams stumble down the stretch and then go on and dominate the postseason. Uh, I've seen teams get hot at the right time, and that can spur them uh, to a long run in the playoffs. It's not just for the Stanley Cup playoffs, but for, for everything that we've ever seen. Uh, you know, in baseball, you've seen teams limp down the stretch and then catch fire. Same thing in the NBA. I really think what matters is, especially in hockey, how good is your goaltending? How good is your special teams? And the Canes have good goaltending, good special teams, because I am a big believer once you get to the postseason, it's kind of the rule of Italian racing. What's behind you doesn't matter. Uh, the, the fact that the 56 game season is over it puts you in position to get to this spot. So Nashville has been red hot down the stretch. Well, maybe they're going to be exhausted because they've had to play down the stretch and have every playoff game like that. Sometimes it's an advantage for a team. Sometimes you just run out of gas. So I don't think that there's one quantitative answer. I don't think that Nashville is a scarier opponent to me because of how well they've played in their last 27 games against what Dallas would have been if Dallas would have gotten into the playoffs based on how they're built or whoever the Canes would face. And, I know people have, have taken a look at how the Canes have finished the season, but uh, that's really, for me, I think human nature. They locked up the division with eight games left to play and, and what they needed to do and come down the stretch and, and everything that worked out for them. So, honestly, for me, uh, I, I don't think it's much of a factor once you drop the puck because momentum, it, it literally changes game to game in a playoff series. So, for the Canes, when you get to that game one, you can absolutely snap any of the momentum that Nashville was riding from the end of the regular season to get into the playoffs. I've told you this a handful of times, Mike. I envy what you and Tripp and Shane and Abby have done uh, broadcasting games away from PNC Arena from monitors, and many other broadcasters have had to do that as well. With restrictions easing in many places, including Nashville, has the NHL given any guidance for the playoffs, whether or not you guys might be able to travel? Uh, we're probably not going to be able to travel. Uh, I know that some of the restrictions have, have lessened, but again, up in Canada, the restrictions are as tight or maybe tighter than ever. 
So uh, I don't know how they're going to handle things north of the border with their broadcast. And, uh, you know, especially there's been talk of, of what happens there. But, no, there's been no talk of us uh, being allowed to go back on the road just because of basically this is how the setup has been all year. And, and that's fine. I mean, it's fine. I understand it. I get it. So uh, I would love to be there, love to be in the visiting arena because uh, of, of the spark that you get with it. I think there's just so much, especially in hockey, so much more when it comes to calling the game to actually being in the venue. But uh, overall, uh, no, I, I, I'll be very surprised if um, the the broadcasters, the regional broadcasters, travel with the teams. And beside, after the first round, Josh, it's all national broadcasting anyway. The TV voice of the Canes, Mike Maniscalco, with us here in the Triad. Appreciate the time from him here. Um, you're well aware of this story because you and I are friends, but in the Triad we've gotten – a lot of feedback and people who have checked in on my dad who was released from Wake Med Hospital earlier today, a week after being admitted in the COVID ICU unit. And he went viral with a video that was put out there. John Means throwing a no-hitter. His wife, uh, Caroline, and John himself have been really great to us. And this past week, that moment, namely, has created a really special father-son moment that had me thinking about father-son memories and moments that were special regarding sports that actually transcended the game. And I'm thinking, with you, what sport or team was most special to you and your dad? It's the New York Yankees, Josh. Why is that? Just always has been. It's it's the team that we have talked the most about uh, as a big baseball player. Uh, My dad was a really good baseball player. It's just the sport that we connected the most over. Hmm. So I'm thinking World Series. That's probably the first the first places you go where you connect the most, or is it when you're actually able to be in the ballpark? No, it's just anything. Sitting at the table talking to him over a cup of coffee. There's nothing 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 I, I, I bring up that goes down that road, anything different. Just appreciate having him in my life, being able to talk about baseball or anything with him. That's fantastic. You and I both. Baseball. That's where we go to first. Mike, enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the time off a little bit. I hope you are doing well and uh, you're doing safe in Raleigh. I look forward to hearing your call round one of the playoffs. Yeah, I can't wait for it, Josh. It's going to be great. It's uh, Again, as far as as much of a baseball fan I am, uh, there is no better playoff than the uh, the Stanley Cup playoff. It's the absolute best, and, uh, and the good thing is it's going to be spaced out enough where we're all going to be able to watch all the games. Can't yeah, wait to get to love it. Love it. You're the best. Thanks, Mike. You got it. There you go. There he goes, Mike Maniscalco on Twitter at Mike Maniscalco, TV play uh, play by play voice of the Canes. I guess since he also the the broadcaster simulcast on radio, radio voice of the Canes technically too. But um, Mike, all around good guy, 